You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, for what is your Friday episode of Locked On Browns. Um, we've got some bigger news to get here to today, which we're going to do with that. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, the show itself, at Locked On Browns. Joining from Sports Illustrated, Mr. Pete Smith, at underscore Pete Smith underscore Friday's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to www.http, I'm sorry, builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on and you'll get $10 off your next order. Pete, um, we've talked about this in, in the wake of the Grand Delphine injury and looking at the way the safety room had been construed this season. You know, you had brought in Carl Joseph. You had brought in Andrew Sandejo, Sheldrick Redwine. And again, maybe this, we still maybe don't know the total standing of where Sheldrick Redwine fits into the 2020 plans. But the Browns made a move today. And the first thing I think, Pete, is we went back, I'm uh, thinking back and just looking back to talking the 2018 draft. And there's always players for us when it's, you know, maybe they're dodging a test. They don't seem to be testing. And he certainly applies to this. Ronnie Harrison, safety, obviously acquired today, folks, for the fifth-round pick acquired in the trade with the Los Angeles Rams for Austin Corbett. Pete, and I remember we were doing those episodes then, and it was like, mm-hmm-hmm. But what you got here is you've got a safety at six foot two. You've got a safety at probably closer to 215 pounds, 33-inch arms, I don't want to compare him to Cam Chancellor, but he's kind of got the build of a guy like Cam Chancellor. Um, he's played, you know, some big nickel, you know, for the Jaguars in the run situation. His coverage was better in year two. You know, glimpses against, you know, Darren Waller of the Raiders, um, you know, had some, you know, some decent reps against the Cincinnati Bengals this year. But this guy's only 23 years old. So in the NFL terms, he's an absolute baby with two years of experience you got two years of control he's not making any money and even just to peek ahead to 2021 it gives you a safety room of Delpit red wine and obviously Mr. Ronnie Harrison Pete this is a move where you the analytics support it and I I don't know if anybody else was in and talking with you know um, our host here Ampwig who hosts Lockdown Jaguars you know, he was Harrison was close with Ngakwe. He was close with Fournette. He had been close with Jalen Ramsey. And obviously, there's a big faction of the Jaguars player base that are just completely unhappy with everything. This is a great move, again, by young general manager Andrew Berry going in and swooping. And this is probably a lot better than maybe something the crumbs you can pick up come Sunday of the waiver wire purge of the NFL rosters. <clears throat> the Browns have 10 draft picks. Uh, the flexibility they get with having 10 draft picks is that they can be aggressive when they want. Um, I didn't haven't heard officially if it's the Austin Corbett pick or not. I just heard fifth round pick. Um, but that's sort of what you can do is if when you have the picks you do, you can sort of take little swings uh, and address holes and – you know, we're not sure what the 2021 NFL draft is going to look like. We're not sure what college football is still going to look like, even though 
games, you know, we've had a couple games played. Um, so if you can sort of get a player now, address a need, uh, you know, he being so young, he's 23, he's on the same track as David Njoku in terms of his age. Uh, you get a guy who's making $750,000 this year and then is under contract for $920,000 next year. Uh, they could cut bait at any time, but they could also, you know, find that they like him and want to keep him. And if he does well and they, he walks in free agency after next year um, and goes sign somewhere else, they could theoretically recoup or get a better compensatory pick, sort of recycling itself. But uh, safety position, uh, strong in particular behind Carl Joseph was sort of a question mark. I think, uh, I think Ronnie, Ronnie Harrison can play a little bit of both. Uh, a little bit of a combo guy. He's a better coverage player than he's been a run defender to this point, which isn't saying he's been great in coverage. He's just better at it. Uh, I think the scheme, the Browns run could be helpful for him to get more out of him. Uh, his length is beneficial. He's built similar to, uh, to, to Delpit. Uh, it's not a high risk maneuver. Uh, but this is also why I've been sort of advocating trading a couple of the veterans the Browns have in favor of some of the younger players who they like uh, because they can then keep doing this type of thing and keep being aggressive. I, I still think they're going to try to attach a few of these together and uh, make some bigger trades. But in the meantime, uh, Jacksonville, uh, the Jaguars have been you know trading anything that's not nailed down for draft assets uh, or cutting it in the case of – Leonard Fournette, uh, they they are if they aren't actively rebuilding, they're certainly acting like a team who's actively rebuilding. Uh, and you may may get a value out of this. It's not much to give up, but this is why, you know, I think Terrence Mitchell could get a nice little return on a trade, and I think uh, Kendall Lamb could get a nice return on a trade. And this is sort of why I, I think that's a beneficial way to go. Either way. Um, you know, you're using those late round draft picks uh, to address depth. You're attacking needs, and it's the same type of deal the Browns made last year with Wyatt Teller uh, for a fifth and sixth round pick. They got a seventh back with Teller, but I really, really like that deal. In the case of Harrison, uh, the biggest selling point he has is unlike any of the other safeties that they have repping as backups at this point, he has 22 games starting experience um that's a ton that's more than red wine has obviously uh so he may not be a great player he may get better he may largely stay the same but he you you sort of know what he's going to give you when the lights come on and it's you know it's sunday and and we need somebody to step in and with carl joseph um this the things you love about him the way he's willing to throw himself around and make big plays and make big big hits um can you know cause him to miss time and that's happened obviously at any uh at, at, with the Raiders and that's part of why he's with the Browns now so he's trying to prove he can sort of earn that longer term deal whether it's with the Browns or elsewhere and they don't want to have sort of a giant question mark behind him and Ronnie Harrison can at least step in and has shown he can he, he, he at least looks like an NFL player uh you know when, when he's on there it's not to me, all that different from what they did with Justin Burris, although they found Justin Burris for free, and he really shined in that role. Um, and we're going to get to this, and we're going to get to a little bit more here on Ronnie Harrison as we roll on through your Friday edition 
of Locked on Browns. The improved Bilt Bar is even deliciouser. 18 original flavors now. Amazing flavors, including six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp to go along with some of your favorites of German chocolate, salted caramel, and double chocolate. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are available in nut and nut-free. They are soft and easy to chew. Bill Bar is a great snack or treat or ready pre-gym snack for the health-conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, low-protein, high-fiber, great as well for the keto diet. The flavor profile on the coconut almond, 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams net carb. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code, all caps, no space, locked on, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, use the promo code locked on for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Pete, with one of the things, and I think that I truly like about this acquisition of Harrison is we've talked for years about trying to, you know, take the defense to the next era. And what that includes with Joe Wood's philosophy is playing a bunch of defensive backs. And this is what the Browns have shown with the way they have treated the linebacker position through this offseason. He has the size. He can do these things. And these are things that are essential especially against the Ravens. And you go to where the Ravens have had struggles with Lamar Jackson, a quarterback, the Chargers in the 2018 playoff game. You know, last year when the Browns beat them in week four, when they, you know, got their doors blown out by the Titans in the playoff game, is having defensive backs who have the ability to play close to the line of scrimmage, to help defend against the run, and then in turn can kind of take that part away but then these guys can go and cover afterwards and getting a guy with this size and this length. And this is something you didn't really essentially have after the loss of Grant Delpit. That's what makes this a key acquisition because, and there were some were, I mean, the word replacement that not there guys know, but this is a guy who can come in and now you can take this safety group of four guys and you can use them all and, and play to their strengths which should make for a solid safety group. Granted, Carl Joseph can stay healthy. Granted, Andrew Sandejo in year 10 can still you know perform like he has performed in his first nine years in the league. And Sheldrick Redwine maybe gets a little comfortable and takes a jump up and play. Well, that's the thing is <clears throat> I'm hoping that, uh, you know, in this in the defensive scheme, he can be a better run defender because to this point he's been pretty – pretty uh substandard uh and and if he has to play in the box uh sort of in a slot role then then he really has to step that up i think more than anything you know he's he's a top-down safety who can who can probably do some decent work against tight ends because of his length um and he's decent in coverage uh you know look he's 23 you're hoping that with that age and 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 time he's sort of gotten better but that's been who he he is the first two years in the league, uh, and, and you know that there there could be some improvement there. I think Joe Woods uh, has has put together a scheme that has seems to have brought brought out a lot of 
the best of some of these d- defensive backs. I see, I think you're seeing either guys sort of experience a resurgence in the case of Terrence Mitchell, or you're seeing some of these young guys like Donovan Alumba or AJ Green come in and, and be able to produce. So I'm hoping that it's the same type of situation where, you know, Ronnie Harrison can come in and Joe Woods, that scheme helps him be, be, you know, a more productive player because, you know, other than Carl Joseph, I've been going through the, you know, the the camp and and backup strong safety is the one position where I I basically just threw my hands up and said, I I don't know who's really, you know, really in the mix for this spot, you know, with Sheldrick Redwine, you know, Grant Delbert was in there. He's, he was good. He he flashed and and did some things. Sheldrick Redwine was there. He flashed, but now Ronnie Harrison, I think gives you depth at both spots. I I think they're going to cross train him. Because they sort of cross train everybody, barely becomes what they're going to call. Exactly, you but have to be responsible in run, and you have to be responsible in coverage. But go ahead. But yeah, it's the same deal as how they deal with their linebackers. It's, they want to cross train. So, you know that that on one hand, it, it it sort of allows Harrison to come in and sort of focus on one thing. On the other hand, the Browns uh, have to decide if they if they want to do that or if they're going to try to cross train immediately. I mean, I, I think it makes the most sense to sort of say you know, here's strong safety, work on that. And and when we're comfortable with you there, then we'll, we'll move on to the other stuff. But this allows the Browns to, to keep Sendejo in the slot, which they seem to want to do. Red wine, certainly an option there, but I think they want to keep him at free. Carl Joseph has insurance. They're just, they're, they just have a little bit more of a, a setup that, that doesn't feel like it's going to crumble immediately. And, you know, at the bottom line of it is, is, you know, you traded a fifth round pick for a guy who, like you said, Pete, has 22 games experience in this league. And he comes from the University of Alabama. So obviously there is no shying away from the bright lights, um, you know, the big games, the big opportunities. Um, I have a very good problem with Alabama. <laughs> um, and for everybody, and Pete, this is one where maybe me and you, um, for everybody who wants to, you know, everybody – wants to give us, you know, ugh, anything on Mac Wilson. Um, he's a better player, you know, and everyone wants to use the, you know, the PFF lens sometimes or whatever. He was a better player under the PFF lens than Mac Wilson was. Um, but now you have this faction of, you know, chasing players from big schools um, who've played in the big games and you bring yet another guy in here. And Pete, we've talked about this before with where this roster construction is, um, you know, with having the amount of draft capital they had for 2021, there's no guarantees for anybody on day three to make the Browns roster in 2021. So you get in here and you have a movable piece who's good for now. And hopefully, you know, you at least have one more year at obviously with a con- controllable asset that he is, uh, but it's it's just about finding his niche and you know putting what you feel he is comfortable with within the realms of this secondary, which obviously you know we'll get to this here in the third segment. There's already been changes to this, you know, with the the guys who were released today. But this is somebody who a functional piece. Obviously, I'm sure he's going to be asked to cover kicks, which is understandable. Um, you know, the tackling is going to have to come around, but knows how to use his body within coverage. It's just, it's a really nice, smart, and even to use the word safe, which safe, you know, a lot of people, oh, safe sucks. But this is a smart, safe move. It literally costs you nothing 
for a guy that you know you can put out there in in somehow some way will contribute this year. The question is whether it's a big contribution or a small contribution. Well, I mean, look, this is what good teams do. Uh, you know, who's the model that they're sort of looking at? We're not used to this, Pete. We're not used to this. Right. So, like, the Philadelphia Eagles are very good about using late-round picks to go address needs. The New England Patriots are very good about using They're going to go get Miles Jack. You watch the Eagles. They're going to go get Miles Jack. You watch. Uh, well, they want good football players. Um, I, I, I think – you know, you will, you allow yourself to be very specific in what you're targeting. And like, as you pointed out, you don't know what you're going to get from day three picks anymore because, and not because you, 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 you know, don't want know what you're going to get from them necessarily, but they're not a lock to make the roster. And I think it, it it's not, it's noteworthy that the Browns rookies have been good enough where they're not even questioned. Like this is not normal. You're not supposed to, it's not supposed to be this easy for rookies to make the team. I mean, you know, Donnie Lewis Jr. got cut, you know, and, and he was sort of behind the eight ball even when he, when he was drafted. But that's far more typical is where it's like a guy gets drafted, he's brought in, he really didn't do much. Uh, in his case, because he was hurt, he gets sort of lost in the shuffle. He's on the practice squad. He comes back uh, to a new coaching staff, new front office. They bring in more guys who immediately are over him on the depth chart and he doesn't really play. And you just sort of move on. It's like, oh, well. And this happens a lot with the New England Patriots, <clears throat> for example, because they take so many picks and they've been so good that they caught a lot of these guys. Uh, so it's, it's you know, kudos to the Browns uh, scouting department on this uh, for, for listening to us, more me, but us on this, on, on a lot of these players uh, to target because they are going to make their roster. But in next year, the year after, if the Browns are still, you know, are able to su- uh, sustain some success, let's say they get in the playoffs and they're a real contender next year, you know, having those those draft picks is good because it allows you to do a lot. You can make a trade, like you know, you can do what the Vikings essentially did with with uh, with Yannick and Gakwe. I, I think the Browns are going to be that type of team next year. Uh, the Eagles were able to add uh, a corner from the Detroit Lions, for example. I think the Browns are are a year away from that type of move, but just right now you're saying, "Hey, we're going to give up a fifth round pick to get something we know we to get somebody we know is going to make the team." May not be a great player, but we know they're going to make the team and fill a role. And at this point, that becomes a good trade for you, and it's a good trade for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not it doesn't validate the third round pick. Certainly, I mean that, that that's a miss for them, but just the idea of. We're going to go ahead and tear it down. We're going to get what we can for these, which is, you know, what the Browns did several years ago and what the Miami Dolphins did. You know, more, te- you know, the Browns pioneers of suck uh, with Sashi Brown and company of, of, you know, stripping down and getting a lot of assets. Uh, they get something for a player that they didn't have in their plan. So it's a win win for both teams. But I think from a more meaningful standpoint, the Browns are in a position where. They're trying to be flexible. They're trying to maintain their cap ability to roll over into next year so they can be super aggressive. But with the draft picks they have, and hopefully the draft picks they're still to get, uh, that they can always be in this position where whenever a good player is released or is available or something, and you've already seen this a little bit, I'm not sure how much of this is for the right reasons, how much of this is, well, the Browns are a good place to go get a paycheck still from some people, but whether it was Earl Thomas, whether it was Yannick Ngakwe, whether it was Jamal Adams, whether it was, you know, a lot of these big name players, there was always a question of, 
well, are the Browns going to be in on this? Are the Browns interested? In some cases they have been, in some cases they haven't. But they're always this team that can now hang out there and be, you know, potentially out in the weeds waiting to strike on something because they do have the ability to use that cap flexibility and they do have a bunch of ammo where they are an attractive trade partner. So they're in a position where they suddenly look like a very good franchise. They have to prove it by going out and winning football games and being a playoff team and showing from that end. But just, you know, the, the quick turnaround from going from, you know, the, the, the soulless sort of John Dorsey, I hate this team era uh, to this, this, you know, this era where they, they sort of brought more of a unified sense of purpose. And obviously outside uh, circumstances have, have, have sort of prov- provided the way for the Browns to really build a culture. We'll see if it, you know, truly develops. But that, and you have this this super young co- head coach and, and GM that are sort of really embracing all this stuff. They're embracing new ways of thinking. They're embracing things that have been working for these other teams that have sustained excellence for a long time. And all of a sudden, you're looking at this. You're going, "Well, wait a minute! They're, they're like they're doing smart things." And and people going, "Hey, wait a minute! Why didn't we do that?" Um, and we have, you know, in, in prime examples, you know, Cla- you know, Calais Campbell and you know, other moves that have gone, we've seen go on for over the years where it's like, what? I mean, you know, our fifth round pick was better than theirs. Why didn't this work out? But now you see this uber aggressive and the constant working on trying to make what your 53 can be the best each day, day in, day out. And it's refreshing. And this is part of why, you know, Pete and I were so excited to see this, you know, franchise go to more of the Atlantic uh, analytic front and, you know, stop chasing. Oh, well, he was really good for me three years ago on a playoff game. And it's, 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 yes, it's what, what have you done for me now, but it's, what can you do for me now? What can you do for me in the future? And it's, it's just fantastic to see this. We'll get to a couple things more here. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, rolling through on your Friday, Locked on Browns. I have a piece dropping tomorrow at Pro Football Network um, talking about the biggest storylines for feet, uh, week one. Um, was This is the tough part about it. Writing, and Pete may understand this, is when you have something ready and you have to adjust it on the fly. So check that out. The biggest storylines for week one for the Cleveland Browns versus Baltimore Ravens. Check out everything. Pete and the guys are doing over at Browns Digest on SI.com. Just continuously putting out great content, consistent day in, day out. Great, great stuff to read. Make sure you guys are all checking that out. Browns Digest. Obviously, Pete and his team doing a fantastic job over there. Now, Pete, obviously, you know, some thinning of the herd today. Donnie Lewis, like you mentioned. Um, obviously, Ricky Walker, Jamon Moore, JT Hassel. Um, there were some ways these were thought about, you know, was this, you know, a cold move on the Browns part, you know, cutting them you know, before the last scrimmage. But in the NFL, you know, enough's enough. You've seen what you need to see. And this may have been maybe an advantage for these four guys because, you know, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, there's going to be a purge, a significant purge of 27 players per almost every NFL roster. Here are four guys out there now. Maybe get an opportunity to, you know, get noticed before all these names start dropping Friday at four, uh, Saturday. I'm sorry, Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern. So uh, to the question of did the Browns screw these guys? No, absolutely not. They actually did 
right by them. Um, they're not taping this. You're not sending the, the scrimmage teams. You you may get some, you know, some some you know that keyhole footage. Maybe there's a way that teams will do something, but they're not giving anything away. So, you know, you, you could be a guy like Donnie Lewis Jr. One of these guys, and you're killing yourselves, and you get hurt for a scrimmage that probably meant no difference to you. I mean, the Browns had already basically decided. So if somebody else maybe saw through a keyhole that they liked Ricky Walker, you know, taking a couple reps, maybe that did something. But the reality is those guys are probably going to be signed on whatever they've done in college or up to this point. I mean, Ricky Walker has XFL tape out there, but they get, they don't put themselves at risk to get hurt in a, in an event that's not going to help them um so in that respect it's better they also obviously get a little bit of a head start to potentially negotiate uh their own situation after they claim you know if they pass through waivers uh so if you are those guys you'd rather be released earlier than later i mean the only the only argument you're saying is i, I you know i don't want to get released at all i mean i get it but if it was going to happen you'd rather now than later uh so first uh, Jamon Moore, I really like him. I, I thought he was very good in camp. I, I didn't think he was going to make the team, but he's 6'3", he's 205 pounds or so, really good athletic profile, was really productive at Missouri, uh, was a fourth-round pick by the Packers. The Browns got him last year. Uh, obviously, he was in camp this year. Uh, you know, the, It seemed like every practice he made a few grabs. He seems like the perfect guy to get on the practice squad. Somebody may grab him, somebody may not. Uh, but – He's just a nice developmental piece. You know, he might be the biggest receiver on the team uh, up up to this point that they released. I mean, he's the tallest at six three. Um, he's not quite as thick as as uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, but he's big. Um, JT Hassel, uh, look, he's a guy who plays really really fast. He has some, you know, some some attractive qualities for special teams uh you know was trying to transition from the linebacker in college to safety in the nfl had some moments last year's preseason uh, you know they, they 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 overhauled the safety position so much that he seemed to get squeezed out uh, again a guy who could be interesting for the practice squad entirely for uh that was pre for special teams units and seeing if you know he's a guy that can impress from there uh, I said it at the time. I think Ricky Walker was entirely brought in because they didn't want to run Jordan Elliott into the ground. Uh, Jordan Elliott got a ton of work and, and was hopefully productive uh, work for him. But whether it was him and Sheldon Richardson for a while, they were the only two repping. And Sheldon and, and you know, they weren't going to burn exactly. out Richardson, who did get a lot of reps. But Elliott was in there and in there and in. There. I think at some point they basically decided, look, we, we've you know he's he's gotten better. or We've seen the development we want to see. We got to get in, somebody in here to take some reps so we can just get him a break. So we make sure he's ready for the season. Ricky Walker's a penetrator. He's a guy who can shoot gaps. He's not particularly athletic. He's not, was not particularly super productive in, in Virginia tech uh, played in the XFL. So he's interesting from that standpoint. I don't know that they're, you know, they're going to look for him to, to, to get to the practice squad again. I think he was a body to try to save those other guys and then uh, Donnie Lewis, again, behind the eight ball, just the situation wasn't, you know, as far, as fair as the NFL can be, it wasn't. Um, hurt Came in hurt with the foot last year, missed almost all of camp, ended up on the practice squad this year. 
new coach, new system, new all this stuff. And they brought in, you know, more corners. They brought in, uh, you know, Kevin Johnson. They brought in uh, Donovan Lumba. They brought in uh, A.J. Green. Then they later they brought in M.J. Stewart. I mean, there's four guys right there. And those four guys all may make the team. Um, so at that point, you know, Donnie Lewis basically got at squeezed least out. Them, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and he may be a guy that they bring to the practice squad. He may be a guy that they're just done with, but you know, none of these guys were a surprise. I, I didn't expect any of them to make the team. The only guy I had sort of earmarked was, was more and that I'm hoping that he can get to the practice squad. Um, but there's teams who have severe wide receiver depth, uh, lack of depth in New York, uh, New York Jets are one of them. Um, more could possibly end up there. Um, but the size and the profile may translate somewhere else. And, with the way you know this offensive system is it, it it's more of you know maybe more isn't the best fit for it so interesting there lewis you know part of you know what everybody initially thought of him was going to be in the nickel they brought in two nickel corners this offseason um hassle when we talk about joe woods it's, it's being able to pursue the run and coverage and that's where hassle was in a tough spot Walker again. He was, I mean, he hate to say it for anybody, but he was here. He was a sacrificial lamb. He was a camp body. We'll close it with this, Pete. Streetsboro, one and oh, going at it again tomorrow night. Pete, just talk a little bit here, you know, A about the program and you know what's it what's it like, the normalcy of getting back to, you know, and granted, this wasn't missed because everything started in March, but the normalcy of, you know, Friday night lights and, you know, high school kids. And, you know, this is important to me with, you know, my daughters, the age they are and getting back to normalcy, starting to get your feet back into normalcy here and Friday night lights and everybody around the field. And, you know, obviously looking good over there for you guys. Well, I mean, I mean, normal still a battle. I mean, like last week we had a weather delay. We finally got on the field and it was good. Uh, and this week, you know, our, our players start going back to school. So that's, you know, that's obviously an adjustment with everything going on there. We, uh, you know, Streetsboro has, you know, the option for, for students to take virtual, but most of them went to school. Uh, you know, they're in masks all day and everything that goes with that. So, you know, that's a new thing. And now it becomes a question of, you know, are we doing the right things in terms of are we, are we you know, protecting ourselves and making sure nobody else gets sick? But are the other students doing that? It becomes its own variable because we've already had seen schools some around Northeast Ohio that have either been shut down or at least had people be infected that has caused uh, things to change. So there's an added stress level from that standpoint, from, you know, from from them just, you know, trying to be normal and go to school. Uh, you know, this week we our first game on the road. Uh you know, that's its own challenge with everything that's going on. You know, we, teams that are going on the road, uh, it, I think it varies from league to league. But, for example, we won't be in a locker room. It'll be like old school, bring your stuff, uh, dressed Top and ready to go. I'll meet you at halftime yeah. at the back of the end zone. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's those things that aren't really a big deal, but they just sort of add up as to, to things that, you know, are, are happening. And, and fortunately, unlike last week, you know, this week we're supposed to have good weather. There's not supposed to be an issue where, you know, we need to have a shelter option because we're in a lightning delay. I think, you know, 
like I think our plan at that point, unless they have somewhere to put us is basically getting back on the bus, which no one wants to have to do. So those are, those are what's, those are the things that are happening, you know, for our program and other programs in, in Northeast Ohio, we've seen some schools have to cancel or postpone games this week or, or pre, you know, previous week. Meanwhile, you know, some schools have decided they're coming back and, and, and going to try to play this year. So everything is fluid. Everything's sort of up in the air and, and it really becomes a, uh, you know, say week to week, you know, cliche game, game by day. Really it's, it's a day by day thing that you're, you're trying to make sure that you, you know, you're doing the things you, you need to do in terms of safety, then what you're trying to achieve in terms of practice and preparation, and then trying to go out and actually do it. So there's just added layers of things that you have to take care of. And you guys know me, the you know the parent I am, and this is the part that's you know hurt me about this entire scenario and everything that everybody's gone through is is what's happening to the kids. Um, you, you want them to have their sense of normalcy, and I'm not talking about the mall on Friday nights or football games on Friday nights, but actually just being able to go to school, and if that's the limit of it, in seeing their friends. And you know, I'm in the same boat. My kids are going to start remotely Tuesday for two weeks, then they will actually start to hopefully gravitate to classrooms uh, two weeks from then. So we'll see how it all comes down. But, uh, you know, obviously we gotten into the Ronnie Harrison edition, um, the cuts from the Browns today, uh, and just, you know, slowly, hopefully gravitating towards normalcy. Make sure you're checking out everything again at Browns, uh, Brown, uh, at Browns Digest, everything over at SI.com. Pete and his team over there doing a fantastic job uh, the show itself, Locked On Browns at Locked On Browns. Make sure you're following on Twitter at under at underscore Pete Smith underscore as well. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, we're just trying to do the best we can here, and well, guys, we're you know almost ten days away. Um, we're a week away from the first Thursday night game. There's another college game on tonight. It, it, we're we're getting there. Um, fingers crossed that hopefully we can start to get better as a country, as a unit here, and just slowly get back to what we all view as normalcy and getting back to our normal lives. That's what everybody wants. And that's kind of what we're hoping for and wishing for. Uh, This has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.